There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I'm going to be with you. We've got a short sports open line for you tonight. A little Billikens basketball coming your way starting at 645 for the pregame show. 7 o'clock opening tip. Of course, Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. will be on the call as they take on St. Joseph's again tonight at 7 o'clock here on KMOX. But we do have time to do some baseball between now and then and uh, talk a bit about what we learned today, which, by the way, uh, isn't a whole lot. <laughs> there, there, just, there isn't a whole lot to be learned about what we got down in Jupiter today uh, with the players and the owners getting together for the second consecutive day. And by the way, also sounds like, according to the reports, they're going to talk again tomorrow. Yay, winning streak. Actually, they're not really making up a whole lot of ground, though. Based on the reports that we're seeing, um, there, there's not a lot of ground being gained. And of course, today, today we've got reports that Major League Baseball is saying the players took a step backward today uh, because their proposal raised the minimum salary, which, uh, look, I, I get it, man. I understand that everybody wants to win the negotiation, but the owners refuse to move on the collective bargaining tax. They refuse to move on the CBT, and they've made the penalties more strict than they've been in the past, and I don't understand why not moving there is somehow better than the players saying, okay, well, if you're not going to move there, then here's what it takes for us to want to talk more. Like, I, I don't understand how this is. I don't understand how it works. I mean, the owners basically say, this is what we want. And if you don't agree, then you're going backward. Come on, man. I mean, you know, you already just basically hammered the, the idea of getting to free agency earlier. That was just a non-starter from the word go. And you haven't moved on the CBT at all. You know, in the last collective bargaining agreement, the luxury tax increased $21 million over the life of the five-year agreement. And what they're proposing now is seeing it go up $11 million over a five. So why are they going backward? Why are the owners going backward on the luxury tax? When they're making more money and there's only more money coming in because... Legalized gambling is here. <laughs> They're going to get expanded playoffs, which is going to be hundreds of millions of dollars more for the TV deals. I don't understand this. I don't understand how Major League Baseball is going to claim in any way that the progress, the lack of progress is because the players wanted to, to increase the minimum salaries. And by the way, the the, rate, the reason the players put in the, the higher minimum salary in this offer is because it's a response to the ownership side wanting to cut back on the number of players that'll reach Super 2 status. So this is all a, a shell game, right? They're all moving pieces around the board. So when one side refuses to move on one thing, whether it's the players or the owners... The other side is like, all right, well, let's shuffle these things around a little bit 
and we are going to counter that. So if you don't want to move on this thing, we're going to ask for movement on this other thing. That's what's happening. And it's immensely frustrating as a baseball fan to watch 30 owners who have had 10 years of raking in cash, 10 years of revenues increasing the way that they have. I mean, it's, it's been, there's been a 46% increase in revenue just in the last five or six years. And payrolls have not increased. Payrolls have gone down. I don't understand why you want to make, why it's rational to think, huh, yeah, you know what? We should keep the, the luxury tax thing the same, not raise that. Oh, and yeah, and make the penalties more severe. And then yell at the players for not just agreeing to us taking things backwards. Like everything that happens in these negotiations is one side playing off the other. So again, if the if the players union looks at it and says, okay, well, the owners owners aren't moving on anything related to the luxury tax. They're not moving at all. In fact, what they're proposing is significantly worse than what has already been in. It's worse than what the previous CBA called for. It's not only not growing at the same rate as the previous CBA, but the penalties have essentially doubled. And they haven't moved off of that. Yet, they don't expect the union to try to claw back in other parts of the proposal. I don't know, man. I, the, the whole thing is frustrating. I know you're all probably tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of talking about it. You would think that two reasonable sides. And, and the problem here is that while everybody wants to both sides this thing, what the owners have proposed is worse than the previous collective bargaining agreement. Oh, no, it's worth, it's more money for the minimum level players. It's more money with the with the bonus pool that's going to be available for the first and second year players. Sure, they'll make more. But you're putting a cap on what larger revenue teams can do. You're doing that in the name of competitiveness, right? Of competitive fairness, competitive balance, as they like to say, since it's called the competitive balance tax. But you don't put any mechanisms in there that force those teams that need help with competitive balance, Pittsburgh, Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City, you name it, the low revenue teams, you don't put any mechanisms in place that push them to get their asses in gear. They just get to keep going on the free ride. They just get to keep riding the gravy train, keep the payroll low, keep the profits high. And again, if this were a balanced conversation, I would think that 30 owners would like all 30 members of their their group to share the same kind of goals. To carry their share of the weight, if you will. But I guess they don't care about that. I'm sure the bigger market teams are like, you know what? It's actually kind of better for us if they stink because it's more easy wins for our team. Which is probably what's what's at the root of it, right? You know, if you're the Yankees, would you rather pay the Pirates a bunch of money that they keep and don't spend on players? Or would you rather have them spend on players that you then can't acquire? (laughs) I mean... I don't know, man. I, I may, Maybe I'm a cynical jerk, but I feel like what we're getting here is the major issues are seeing no movement from ownership. And when the players try to balance that out with asking for more in another one of these areas, and by the way, asking for more when it comes to the minimum salary is a ludicrously low ask. In no way does that equal out 
the luxury tax remaining where it's been for the last five years or the penalties for exceeding it doubling compared to where they've been. Anyway, here's the deal. They got together today. Owner's message is, we're disappointed because we think they went backwards. I'm sure the player's message is, we're disappointed because they won't come towards us <laughs> on any critical issue. You know, they were, they're, they're inching closer when it comes to the pre-arbitration bonus pool and, and simple things like that. Because what you're talking about is, well, we improved our offer by $5 million. $5 million in an $11 billion a year business that's only growing, that's only seeing more streams of revenue open up? $5 million. Like, hmm. That's not a lot. Anyway, what we're seeing is, at the very least, though, staying in contact, planning to meet again tomorrow, but no good news on the biggest issues. And honestly, I don't really think this whole thing is critical because, of course, the owners are going to be like, well, that's not nice. That's a step backward. Mm, I don't know. Hey, maybe how about you? Mm, let's tie the luxury tax into revenues as opposed to leaving it the same while revenues go up. Oh, but that wouldn't be fair for competitive balance because then the big teams would all spend. Well, then find a mechanism that gets your bottom-tier team's asses in gear. I mean, is that is that too much to ask? Apparently, that is too much to ask. They want to have the best of both worlds. They want to have no tie to revenue streams, no, nothing that relates to player salaries tied to revenue streams. You don't want to allow the top-end teams to spend whatever they want, and you don't want to require the bottom-level teams to try to close the gap. Other than that, though, what they're proposing is totally fair <laughs> and totally balanced. It makes all kinds of sense. Anyway, not, not nothing tells us today that they're going to make a deal. I still wouldn't write off something being done here in the next five days. I mean, I, both sides know what it takes to get a deal, and they're still going back and forth. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, here, here's my prediction. And then we're going to move on to continue a different angle of our conversation from last night. Here's my prediction. What the owners will eventually offer the players when it comes to the CBT is exactly what existed in the old system. And they're going to make it sound like it's a concession. Okay. We'll let it stay the way that it's been when it was super beneficial for us for the last 10 years. They're going to make that sound like a concession. And by the way, the players are probably going to end up having to accept that as a concession to get some of these other things. And that's going to be the critical point that gets the deal done. That's my prediction. Hopefully that happens the next five or six days and not sometime in May with the season starting in June. Let's talk about on the field. Now, last night we talked a lot about the shift. And I presented a lot of evidence as to why banning slash limiting the shift wouldn't really change the look of the game very much. But I do want to talk about today the two issues that would change how the game looks on the field, making it more entertaining for fans. One, I think you can do something about with rules. The other one, I'm not sure, even though the other one might be the bigger of the two. We'll get into those two things next up on KMOX. All right, so let's get back to these on-field things here. There's two things that... I think would make a bigger difference than, say, banning the shift 
When it comes to improving the product, the entertainment product on the field in Major League Baseball, um, and we talked a little bit about one of them last night, and that is finding a way to get more balls put in play. Like this is, you know, the the biggest drain on entertainment, excitement, you name it, action in Major League Baseball in recent years has been the rapid increase in strikeouts. Um, and here's the problem. I, I think this is a really hard thing to write rules about. I think it's really difficult to point out any one thing. You can't limit how hard the pitchers throw. You can't force hitters to have a an all-fields approach, right? You can't tell hitters, by rule, you must adjust your approach with two strikes. Like you can't do that. There's only one thing you can do, and I'm not I'm not convinced that it would work. But there's only one thing that Major League Baseball could do with with rules changes that would give the hitters a better chance at putting the ball in play more often, and that would be to shrink the strike zone. Give the hitters less area to cover. Maybe you bring it in a little bit on each corner. Maybe you bring in it. You got it. You'd have to bring it down from the top for sure. And I think you'd probably have to either keep it the same or or maybe even raise it up a little at the bottom. Now, my my buddy Derek Gould makes a a point that I have not come around on yet, but because he's smart, I'm going to present that point. He believes that lowering the bottom of the strike zone would would account would would get more balls put in play. I'm not sure how having to cover more area would do that, but he's smart and in many ways smarter than me, so I figured I would put it out there just in case I'm the one that's missing something, which is probably the case. But either way, the way that the strike zone currently is, I don't think it's a problem in and of itself, but it's the only rules-based aspect of this that you can change. You can't force hitters to do certain things. You can't put speed limits on the pitchers or, you know, limit the number of breaking balls that they can throw. I mean, I guess you could, right? If we're talking about limiting defensive alignments, why can't we say you're only allowed 10 curveballs a game? You're only allowed 10 changeups per game. 85% of your pitches have to be fastballs. Whatever the limitation. I mean, I think that's ridiculous, personally. But if we're willing to limit defense and say, no, 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 you can't play there. Well, then why can't we say, no, 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 you got to throw more fastballs. So I guess you could do that, but I think most of us would find that incredibly distasteful and really not in the spirit of competition. Could you imagine a rule in football that was like, you're only allowed to throw 50% of the time. You can't, you can't run the ball. You can't throw 75% of the time. Like that, that would be the equivalent. We don't want to get into that, but you can make the strike zone smaller. Now, the, the unintended consequence there will be more walks. Walks are boring too, but traffic on the bases does change how a pitcher has to pitch. Because sooner or later, those walks turn into runs. So I would equate that type of change to the types of changes we've seen in the NBA and the NHL when it comes to the enforcement of illegal contact. Now follow me here. When the NBA first started enforcing hand check rules, things along those lines, there were a lot of fouls, man. It was awful. I mean, like, really, it was bad for a period. You're, like, watching every, every couple seconds, you hear the whistle. Beep! You know, another another foul. But eventually, the players figured out, oh, I can't do that anymore. 
Same thing happened with hockey. Remember when they first put in the rules about hooking and holding? Not put in. First re-emphasized <laughs> enforcing the rules on hooking and holding and all the clutching and grabbing. And it was awful, man. It was a, it was a parade to the penalty box. But the players adapted and realized, oh, I can't do that anymore. So I'm going to stop doing that and stop putting my team you know, on the PK. I, I, wanna, I, I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to stop this behavior. And I think eventually the same thing would happen with pitchers. They would realize, okay, well, the area that I have to attack is smaller. I'm just going to have to accept the fact that I'm going to give up more hits because that's exactly what baseball wants. So if pitchers don't like that, I would understand it. But, you know, defensive backs in the NFL don't like that they can't make contact with receivers beyond five yards without getting called for a penalty. But that was put in not that long ago because it was a means of creating offense because offense is more exciting. So if we want more action in baseball, how do we create more of that? Well, and when it comes to putting the ball in play versus striking out, the only thing you can do is mess with the strike zone. Again, my argument would be just make the whole thing smaller. And it would take time. Like, it wouldn't be an overnight because hitters and pitchers have the things that they've been training to do, right? They they have zones that they've become accustomed to, and it would take some time for everybody to, to kind of make the adjustment. Umpires, too, until we get the automated strike zone. But that's on, that's the only way that by rule, and, and again, even if you, you see it differently, as, as I described uh, the view of Derek Gould, it's still changing the strike zone. Like that's the only thing you can really do if you want more balls in play because you're not going to put a regulator on the pitchers. You can't force hitters to have a specific approach. You can tell position players where they can stand. But as I pointed out last night, doesn't seem that there's a huge statistical impact there. It, it, it's definitely got the surface level impact. It looks different. Right? So those of us watching, it would definitely have the cosmetic change. I'm just not sure that it's a real change. But anyway, messing with the strike zone, my opinion, shrinking it, is the one way that you can kind of force contact, if you will. Give hitters a, a better chance because pitchers are advanced compared to hitters at this point. All of the advancements in training and technology have favored pitchers in recent years. And I do think hitters will catch up. The question is, do you want to wait for that to happen? And I think that's a really good question. Now, the other way that you can improve excitement on the field, that you can make it more, the competition more compelling, has to do with competitive balance that we were talking about earlier trying to get more teams to put a better product on the field. So how the hell do we do that when we've got 30 owners that are absolutely against putting in any kind of floor or doing anything further to help those bottom teams actually compete rather than just ride along and get their paycheck? And I should say their revenue sharing check. It's funny to me too, though. Like big wealthy owners... I'm not a big fan of like things they like to call entitlements and things like welfare, but they're on their own baseball welfare, and that's all fine and dandy for them, isn't it? Let's get into that. Like, what's a realistic way? I, I don't think we're going to get the owners to cooperate on this, but how would you do that? How would you make it more competitive, 
minus something like a salary floor, which isn't going to happen. See if there are any ideas next up on KMOX. All right, so we got Billikens basketball coming your way in just a little bit here on KMOX. 6.45 for the pregame show. 7 o'clock opening tip. Billikens taking on St. Joseph's at Shapitz Arena tonight. And, of course, our friends Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. will be on the call. So let's wrap up a little more baseball here, and, and we'll have more time the next couple of nights to hopefully get, A, some more news from Florida that isn't just more of the same old nonsense. Uh, but we, we are still trying to talk about things on the field. And I think one of the things that's disappointing to me and I mentioned this last night was, you know, that the two sides are, you know, everything's so much about the money that we're not getting, um, we're not getting a lot of the, the meaningful conversations about, you know, the on field things that could, could, you know, make the game better. Right. I mean, I know that they can get to these things later. Sorting out the money is the first fight and, you know, the on field stuff. Uh, can can come later. They can always revisit that when they want to. So we touched on you know the concept of more action. How do we how do we get more baseballs in play? I think that's the biggest part of creating more action because even outs are action, right? A line drive in the gap that comes with a diving catch is action. Ground ball to shortstop where you got to pick the ball, make the throw, all that. That's action. Strikeouts are just a guy turning and walking back to the dugout, and that's not very fun. And the, the 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 record number of strikeouts every single year, setting a new record for the most strikeouts ever, is, it's becoming difficult for a lot of fans. It's difficult for me too, but I, I get over it. You know, it's not like I'm going to walk away because of it. So we talked about how we could try to do that by adjusting the strike zone. The only other way you can improve the action is to make the competition better. And because look, action is all relative to the fan, right? If your team has nothing on the line and they don't have anything on the line on a regular basis, do you even care if there's more action in the games? Fine. Again, it's hard for us, for all of us that have watched the Cardinals for all these years, to sit there and go, I wonder what it's like to be a Pirates fan. Well, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like being a Rams fan for all those crappy years that they were here, except it's been going on for 30 years. So imagine that your team only having four winning seasons in 30 years and like, and they're not the only ones, but they're the, I think they're the grossest defender and you know, the Marlins have been there. Hopefully the new group there with Derek Jeter, they're going to, hopefully they're going to do a better job, but for years they've been bad about it. But what, what fans care a lot more about than the style of what's happening is the quality of what's happening. How many wins are their teams going to have? Now, we all, there are always going to be good and bad teams, but we'd like that to be something that changes a little bit more often. You know, you look at the National League, how many years in a row have the Dodgers been good? How many years in a row have the Cardinals been good? Meanwhile, you've got other teams like the Rockies and the, and the Pirates and, a few, and the Marlins for a lot of that time that you can't get out of their own way. And again, we get it. They have they have payroll limitations, right? They can't spend the same money that other teams do, which is why the rest of the league should be trying to do more for those teams. So if if by philosophy, if by dogma as owners, you do not want the top end to move up anymore. You don't want the top end payrolls to move up any more than they are. 
which is what they're telling us with their proposals regarding the collective bargaining tax, sorry, the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax. That's what they're telling us. We don't want the high-end payrolls to grow. Well, then you got to grow the bottom end. you got to find a mechanism that will help those teams at the bottom fend for themselves. Because if those teams are better, more of their fans will come to games, and then they will make some more money. And then they'll get better ratings on TV, which means they can sell better ads and make more money that way and command a better TV deal down the road. Like becoming self-sufficient would be a good way for them to, to grow, right? But we don't have any incentives in place or mechanisms in place that kind of put you down that path. It's here's your revenue sharing. Do with it as you please. And too many of them just please to put it in their pocket, and then walk out the door. Oh, that extra money, that's for me. Thank you. And I don't think that there really is much you can do. I mean, you you could say that, you know, a certain percentage of luxury tax, I'm not sorry, a certain percentage of your revenue-sharing money must go to the major league payroll, but they've shown no willingness to do that. So again, probably not going to happen. They've shown less willingness to do that, the owners have, than hitters have shown to hit the ball the other way with two strikes on the count, right? Like, they're both pretty stubborn about what how they want to do that. But those are the ways with, that we can make the entertaining the, the game more entertaining. Bad teams winning a little bit more frequently and more baseballs that are actually hit by bats and put into play rather than swings and misses that end up in somebody making a right or a left turn and heading back to the dugout with a slow walk. That's going to wrap it up for the baseball stuff today. We got Billikens basketball in just a couple of minutes. Billikens hosting St. Joe's. Got Rammer and Earl Austin Jr. on the call coming up at the top of the hour here on KMOX.